for those of you who attend Free Christian Church regularly, you thought we were done with Ezekiel. <laughs> I didn't announce this because I, and judging by the attendance, it, it, it uh, worked. I'm actually, I'm actually, I, I, when I was greeting you earlier, I was really, um, I'm a little flustered. I was not expecting this many people to show up tonight. So I think we have enough communion to serve everybody. I'm just kind of, anyway, I think we're good. Um, if we run out, I mean, yeah, Jesus was in situations where he was, you know, didn't have enough bread. We don't have him here to, uh, in that way, in a physical way. Um, so, okay, and then there's some things I forgot to say because I'm just so overwhelmed by seeing all your faces today. So, um, a couple things. So, we're, we've, we just finished preaching Ezekiel, but I wanted to come back to this passage uh, because it just fits perfect what we're trying to focus on tonight. Um, but we're going to start for Lent. We're going to preach through what, what, what is um, frequently referred to as the seven last words of Christ. And basically the seven things that Jesus spoke or that were recorded that he spoke while he was on the cross. And so I'm really looking forward to that. We're going to take one per week and it'll lead us all the way right up to Easter. And so it's, it's a very, um, Christians have used those seven phrases for hundreds of years to reflect often maybe at a Good Friday service or, you know, during the season of Lent in other ways. Uh, they're depicted famously in different artwork uh, and in music as well. There's a very famous uh, Haydn piece in the 18th century from uh, a, a, a concert that was built around these music that was shaped around these seven sayings. So what we are going to do here for Christian Church, and this is, uh, this is the first group that's hearing this publicly, is that we're going to have a concert. Um, on, the, on April the 9th, a piano concert uh, featuring uh, international artist Fernando Castro. And uh, and also uh, Yerim Kang Kruger. And she, the two of them are uh, amazing pianists and they are going to play through uh, these uh, seven movements with, there's a kind of an introduction Anyway, this, we're super excited about this because um, it's just a, it'd be a chance to just reflect. And it's really uh, a very simple thing to invite people to. I think people, I think our neighbors would love to hear that music. And so I think invite, 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 and then that's right before uh, Palm, Palm Sunday. So we'll invite people to come back for Palm and Easter, but just a very simple invitation. So I think that's kind of cool. Um, okay. Oh. The other, a few other things during the season. So when you get this devotional, when you leave, when you grab that, there's invitations to other things going on, mostly during Holy Week. So we have the Maundy Thursday service, which you don't want to miss. There's an outdoor Good Friday sunset service, which we're doing in partnership with Rolling Ridge. Uh, there is a Easter morning sunrise service, uh, also at Rolling Ridge, and then our normal, normal, our um, Easter worship. We'll be here in this building. We'll, we'll be worshiping here at 9 and 1045, our normal uh, worship time. So anyway, back to Ezekiel. Um, it does fit well with our theme for Ash Wednesday. Again, Ash Wednesday, we focus on the theme of mortality, but also the theme of repentance. And they really go hand in hand, you know, that, you know, considering our humanity and our propensity to, to fall. Um, repentance was a big theme in Ezekiel's ministry. For those who aren't aware, God's 
God's chosen people, the Israelites, he, his, he was in a covenant relationship with these people. And um, they, were, they had been rebellious and sinful and breaking God's law. And God allowed them to be attacked by a foreign nation. And a bunch of these people were taken uh, as prisoners to, in exile. And Ezekiel, the prophet, was one of those prisoners who was taken away. And uh, God was calling Ezekiel to tell the people to turn from their sin because if they didn't turn away from this rebellion against God, it was going to get even worse, and it did, unfortunately. Um, they didn't turn back to God. Their capital city was destroyed, and it was a, it was a big mess. For us, we learn from them because just as much as they failed big time, you know, we know that we're prone as much as we want to follow God, we are prone to stray and to wander from God. And so, therefore, repentance needs to be part of our lives, a rhythm of our lives. Just Again, repentance just means to turn. We turn away from our sinful path. We turn away from our own way, and we turn back to God in his way. And as we do that, we see God's grace right there to welcome us back. And in the more that we repent and the more that we turn back to God, the more we, we see how amazing his grace really is. Uh, some, some of you have seen this before, this uh, chart I want to show you. This is what we call our cross chart. So some people like to consider these things visually. So if you're more of a visual person, you might like this. So the, the line this way is your life. And at some point, we call this your moment of conversion, you realize that there's some distance between God who is holy and perfect and me, who is not holy and imperfect and sinful, and there's a distance there, a gap that I can't bridge. And it's only Jesus Christ and what he accomplished on the cross that can bridge that gap. So the cross is, is the, the distance between that. But over time, as you walk in faith, if you get a deeper and deeper, on the top line, it's the deeper and deeper knowledge of God's holiness. Because you, you knew, you recognized at some point that God was holy, but you had no idea how amazingly holy and great God is and how high his standards are. And then as you grow, you kind of have a deeper and deeper knowledge of your own sinfulness and brokenness and what God desires to heal in you and to forgive in you. And as those things grow, the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. You realize, I knew what Jesus did for me was great, I had no idea how great it was as I grow in my knowledge of God and as he shows me my own heart and what is there. And so, but what we sometimes do is, is um, you know, maybe we say, well, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. We kind of shrink the cross. Or like, you know, I'm doing pretty good achieving God's standards, living pretty good life. You know, we kind of try to pull that top line down or we try to lift up that bottom one. And, but what that does is it shrinks the cross. This is why repentance is a good thing. It's not a, a, a scary thing or a, a downer kind of a thing. It's a beautiful thing because it shows us how amazing the cross is, how big the cross is, what Jesus accomplished there. Um, Jesus demonstrated this. So we're good. I'm good with that, the chart. The, um, Jesus w went to a dinner. He got invited to a dinner party at a house of a religious leader, very religious, very proper kind of person. He gets invited in, and at this dinner, a woman with a bad reputation, a sinful woman from the city, comes in, and she's at Jesus' feet, and she's weeping, and she's uh, um, wiping, his, 
with her hair. She's wiping his feet. She's even kissing his feet and pouring perfume on his feet and caring for him and just at his feet crying. And, and people kind of noticing this and they, they kind of looking down on her. And Jesus told a story and he said, hey, you know, if there were two people who had a debt, one person has a huge debt and, and it gets forgiven. It's all paid for. There's another person who has like a little bit of a debt, and that gets wiped out clean, gets forgiven. Which one of those two people is going to love more? And these leaders, these great people said, of course, the person with the big debt, because they were forgiven this huge debt, they would, you know, have more love. And Jesus said, this woman right here with me, she knows that she had a big debt, that she's been forgiven. Therefore, she is pouring out love and affection to Jesus right there at this dinner party. So the problem that Jesus was pointing out was these religious leaders thought they were so good. They, didn't, they thought they had just this tiny little debt. You know, that they were no debt at all. That they could just, you know, they were just fine. And it's when we realize how big that debt was that we just see how beautiful the forgiveness is. And then we can love with a greater capacity because you know how much you've been loved. You know how far God has brought you up. That's the beauty of this season. That's the beauty of repentance. Um, and that's, re- I mean, that's, let's take a look at this passage, though, because this is going to just sort of describe this for us. So verse 3. Um, Son of man, this is God instructing um, Ezekiel the prophet. He says, Son of man, these men have set set up idols in their hearts and put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Um, Actually, so this phrase, son of man, I I actually never explained this earlier. Jesus referred to himself as son of man, and it was a really big deal. Um, Son of man can just mean mortal. And in this context, when God's talking to Ezekiel, he's saying, hey, mortal, Hey, son of man. He's not, in the Old Testament, in the prophet Daniel, there was this supernatural son of man that is, is more of a divine title. That's when Jesus calls himself son of man. That's what he's saying. But it can, it, in this context, it just means mortal, so, which is one of our themes tonight. So anyway, son of man. Uh, these people before you, they've set up idols in their hearts. And I like that God recognizes that idolatry in Ezekiel's day was a matter of the heart. They had literal idols, statues that they would worship, um, and God had commanded them not to do this, but they did it anyway. So they had statues that they thought would bring them, you know, uh, fertility. Um, They had other little shrines and things that they would worship that they thought would help their crops and make them more prosperous. They had other idols and statues in these little false gods they would... uh, bow to or make sacrifices to because it was the gods of the foreign nations that they wanted to keep happy because they didn't want to get attacked by some of these powerful nations. And again, these same, whether it's, basically it's like sex, money, and politics were the big issues. And, you know, some of these same idols in our world today, um, people put, you know, put these things in their hearts in a place where they don't belong. Um, and what happens when we take these things and things that at their very core are not bad or evil, but they are 
misused or put in the wrong place in our hearts. It really inhibits our, you know, verse 3, should I let them inquire me at all? It, it, it inhibits prayer. It blocks our, our relationship with God. And, you know, we want help from God, um, but we don't want to give up these little cherished little sins that we have. And uh, you don't want to keep our options open. And it really blocks our relationship with God. And that's what idols in the heart do. Um, but God, his desire is to recapture your heart. Verse 4. Therefore, speak to them and tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols in their heart and put a wicked stumbling block before their faces and then go to a prophet, I, the Lord, will answer them myself in keeping with their great idolatry. Basically not answering them. Um, verse 5. I will do this to recapture the hearts of the people of Israel who have deserted me for all their idols. When we set up these, when we desire these things in our hearts in a way that is not good, you know, it, it blocks that relationship. But God's heart, he wants your heart. He wants to recapture it. That's God's posture. It's not God, you know, wagging his finger and God's so angry. God's heart is to get your heart back. And if that means it feel, your prayer feels cold or you feel like he's not there, that's his grace. That's his warning to you. That he wants your heart back fully. As Jesus said, we are to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's good news. He wants you back. It's, repentance is just an invitation to a loving relationship with the God of the universe. And we just need to, he needs to recapture and retune our hearts. I love that song, uh, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, the old hymn. To tune my heart to sing your praise. Like that God needs to go in and get, get those strings lined up. And when, when they come and tune this piano, it just take, takes a long time. And it's just very, you know, one note at a time. If you've ever sat and watched a piano tune before, you haven't. Because nobody has. You just don't. You see someone do it, you walk away. But God needs to do that to our hearts. To tune our hearts that they can be in line with him. That's the beauty of it. And then it's... That is beautiful music, of course, right? So that's what God, that's God's posture. So what do we do? What's our role in this? Repent. Look at verse 6. Therefore, say to the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, repent. Turn from your idols. Renounce all your detestable practices. So all we need to do is see that they're there and turn from them. And so to do that, you, you got to reveal them. Well, how do I know that they're there? There's a few tests. Um, this from the book Counterfeit Gods, uh, Tim Keller, excellent book, talks about idolatry. We said, here's some ways that you can kind of test it. Um, one is the daydream test. Like, when I'm just kind of daydreaming, where does my mind drift to? What are the things I'm thinking about? That might, you, when you're effortly, effortlessly just sort of, nothing is demanding your attention, where does your mind drift? That might reveal something there that may not be of God, so that, that's one test you could use. Uh, there's the money test. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, we tend to overspend on our idols, whether it's um, clothing or our children or status symbol or whatever it is. You know, where's your money go? Uh, another test is the unanswered prayer test. You know, if you're praying for something and you don't get it, 
in that you respond, you're just in despair because of that or just angry because of that. Whatever that thing is might be a God in your life or an idol in your life. If you are shocked or overwhelmed by troubles in your life, that those things could be idols. And then the last test would be, we call this the big feelings, the big feelings, the big feels um, test. You know, whatever painful emotions that drive you. You know, if you're angry, you know, is there something, why are you angry? Is there something that's just so important to you? Um, something that you must have at all costs. You know, that could be an idol. If you have a strong fear, or if you have despair or guilt, or whatever that big feeling is, that, that you know, am I scared because there's something in my life that's being threatened that I think I, is so necessary to my life? That could be one of those things. Um, again, those big feelings might lead to overworking or frantic activity or, you know, I must have or I must accomplish or I must do. Those things, those kind of reveal those idols. And then when you see one, what you do is you just turn. You turn from it. You say, God, I, I repent of that. I turn from it and I turn to you. I see the beauty of Jesus. I see how loved and accepted and how complete his love is towards me. And I turn back to that and I receive it and I re-identify my life in him and I receive his grace and I seek him first. That's repentance, rooting our identity in Jesus. And that's what this is all about. That's what this season is all about. Let's pray. God, as we think of, um, as, as we think of these things, we see what a gift this is, God. What a beautiful image that we, um, as Jesus famously taught in, in the story of the son who went away and just squandered everything and led a wild life, that, that the father was there and then running towards the son to receive him back, Lord. And we, as your children, whenever we uh, have turned from you and gone away, we know that you are pursuing us with your grace and that it's amazing grace and that it's abundant grace and that we would, I pray that in this season, we would just know in deeper and more meaningful ways what that is and how we might receive it and enjoy it and just have hearts that are just so filled uh, with your love and grace. Um, the healing and the freedom that we experience in that, Lord, uh, it's, just, it's just the best, and you give it to us freely. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. But, Lord, we thank you that your gift is perfect. So we just want to receive it more and more, Lord. Help us to grow. Help us to have hearts that are tuned towards you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.